Welcome to AI Coffee Shop. May I take your order? Um, uh, hi, yes, yes. Um, uh, can I order a large cappuccino with half and half and two sugars? No, no, no. Uh, two, two Splendas? Do you have Splenda? Well, no, actually, skip the sugar. Sk skip the sugar. Okay, one large cappuccino. Actually, scratch that. I'll just take um, uh, something decaf. Uh, maybe just uh, an Americano. A decaf Americano. Oh, sorry about the dogs. What did I order? An Americano and a cappuccino. No, just an Americano. I scratched the cappuccino, remember? And it's a decaf. Ah, cappuccino scratched. Oh, maybe I'll have one of those jumbo cookies too. Oh, no, no, wait. Too much sugar. Forget that. Okay, let me confirm. You're ordering a decaf Americano and you're skipping the cookie because you're trying to cut down on sugar. And I have a biscuit here for your dog. Did I get that correct? Will there be anything else? Wow. I mean, no. That's perfect. Thank you. Great. Then drive up to the next window to pay and pick up your coffee. Welcome to the Art of Automation, a podcast that explores the application of automation in the enterprise. Folks, that was DJ and I setting the scene for this cool episode on how AI and advanced automation technology can make sense of the ramblings and noise that you just experienced in our reenactment of, well, a typical drive-through ordering experience. Our guest today is Brian Langner. Brian is an expert in AI and natural language processing, and he knows how to make computers talk as well as listen. And with that, I'd like to welcome Brian to the Art of Automation. Welcome, Brian. Hi, Jerry. It's great to be here. Let's get right to this first question because I have so many things I want to chat with you about. It's a great topic. So can you start by please sharing with our listeners why you love what you do? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I have a background doing speech and conversation technology, and I'm one of those lucky people who actually has a career in industry doing exactly what I did in my graduate studies. Wow. I don't know how I managed to do that, but I'm pretty lucky. That's fantastic. The, the reality is, like, I've been interested in computers and AI since I was little, and this is a great way to explore that technology and do what I like. I make computers talk. That's kind of the one-liner pitch for what I do. You know, I also like to joke, sometimes I make them listen, and listening is actually way harder than making them talk. So yes, that is the word on the street, Brian, that, <laughs> that you make computers talk. So how do you automate a computer voice in a way that people like, perhaps even feel as friendly or even approachable? It's a great question. There's a lot of character that goes into mm -hmm. people's voices. And when you're trying to make a computer interact with a human by voice, you want to have some character with it. And so my background, both in my time in graduate school as well as in industry, I have built voices. And one of the things that we've done is tried to provide a personality. I see. You don't want to go too far down that path. You get into an uncanny valley really quickly about whether or not a person understands they're talking to a computer or not. But you do want it to be a little bit personable with character, but still somewhat obviously, this is not a, a natural human you're talking to. I see. So you have to preserve some of the robotic aspects of it? Yeah. Or else it gets creepy? It can get creepy really quickly, yeah. Um, and I think the other thing that's been interesting in my past is if you have a very natural sounding voice and you're talking about a conversational system that, that interacts with a person, the person on the other side will assume that the computer on, on that side mm -hmm. actually is better at doing this than it is. I see. So you don't want it to be too natural. If it's too natural, then people assume that there's a human on the other side and they can speak completely naturally and fluently, 
And it turns out the machine is not always great at understanding all of that. Hey, Brian, I heard you were a part of a company called Toy Talk. That sounds really interesting. In fact, I, th I think you were even one of the founders of it. So can you share with our listeners a little bit about that experience? Yeah, so I was one of the founding engineers at Toy Talk. That is the fancy way of saying that I agreed to join before we had any money. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was a really fun experience. It was a, a group of folks, a lot of people who had come from Pixar, had backgrounds in character and technology, and, and combining that to basically be a creative engineering organization. Any toys that we would know? Mr. Potato Head or anything like that? <laughs> uh, so the, the, the one that everyone would know is Barbie. So we did build an internet-connected conversational Barbie doll. Sold it. Cool. And I want to say 2015 or 2016. I don't remember the year anymore. I actually have one in my house, although it no longer works. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, you could have a conversation with Barbie. So take us from Toy Talk to automating order taking? On some level, they're not actually that different of a problem, at least from the technical perspective. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get a computerized agent of some kind to interact by voice with a person and have a productive interaction. When you're talking about something like a Barbie doll, that's for entertainment purposes. So it turns out you don't always have to be perfect. Right. Because if you say a non sequitur, sometimes kids actually think that's funny and that's better than doing it right in the first place. Right. When you're talking about automating a drive through what you'll end up with there is, yeah, you do need to get closer to perfect because someone's actually on the other side hungry <laughs> trying to get some food. The good thing that helps us in this particular application is that it's interactive. So if we don't quite understand something the first time around, we can ask a follow-up question and hopefully we'll have a better chance the second time. Hey, Brian, that makes a lot of sense. Now, can you share some of the challenges? I mean, when I'm ordering in a drive-thru, I find myself rambling as I try to make up my mind. Oh, and my dogs are maybe barking in the back seat. And so how does AI, natural language processing, machine learning, bring order to this like noise and rambling? The, the first thing to notice is that the technology that my team works on, uh, it is audio only. And so we're only using the, the signal we get from the microphone. When you start talking about challenges, that's one of them. I see. People have a lot of visual cues in terms of how they respond to speech and, and conversation, and our system doesn't have access to that. I think the other thing that you'll stereotypically note is drive-through microphone and, and audio systems are stereotypically, I would say, uh, the best. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. The reality is that the human person whose job it is to, to take orders in the drive-through listens to something that sounds like <laughs> for about eight hours a day. And they're supposed to turn that into, I'd like a double cheeseburger and a large Coke. Our system has to do that. We don't have any other signal to work with. And so we've needed to build speech technology that's robust to those kinds of conditions. Mm -hmm. The reality is also drive throughs are outside. So you have outdoor noise mm -hmm. in places that are not California. You have weather. It might be windy or raining or sometimes hail. Right. And the microphone is sitting in a giant metal box. So it's, it's not the greatest of acoustic environments. I see. The other thing is you have a car engine that's idling two feet away from the microphone. I like to joke that the solution here was we should just buy everyone who goes through a drive-through a Tesla, and then <laughs> then we're fine. But uh, it turns out that was more expensive, and uh, and companies didn't want to pay for that. So uh, it's our it's our job to actually make the the microphone and the speech recognizer work in that challenging acoustic environment. Right. I think the other thing you noticed is the thing you said you you tend to ramble a bit. People are familiar with what the drive-through experience is like. It's been around for 50, 60 years. You pull up, there's a giant sign with what there is to order, you start talking, you get your food out the other end. Well, what that means is very often people will start talking before they know what they're going to say. Hmm. 
So I'd like the um uh the um the number <laughs> four five four um with a Coke. No, it should be a Diet Coke today. I'm I'm trying to lose weight. Um and yeah, large fries. Actually, you know what? Never mind. Just get me the McNuggets. I'm sorry, Brian. That's just. By you going through what you did, it seems like an impossible problem to solve. <laughs> what's, the accru- what's the accuracy? So our target for our technology is to be able to automate 75% or more of orders. Wow. And where we say automate, we mean be able to take the order from start to finish without having to have one of the human employees come in and, and, and take over. Um, our technology today is approximately in that range. Um, and we've we've made some substantial improvements over the past several months, and we expect that trend line to continue. That's impressive, Brian. So now, where are the breakthroughs coming from? Is it around a different type of machine learning? Is it different type of natural language? Is it software, hardware, more training, all of the above, none of the above? I mean, it is kind of all of the above. As with most kinds of automated technology, in particular speech and language technologies, there's a lot of different things that can go wrong. None of them individually are necessarily like 10% of the problem. Mm-hmm. But in combination, the total mass of the things that we're not doing well is, is substantial. And so it's a matter of finding the lowest hanging fruit to fix, but also how many of them are, are worth the effort. If it takes three months to fix a thing that has 0.2% improvement, maybe that's not the best way to spend the resources and we can try and do some things that get you know one to two percent and so that's kind of where our team has been for the past year and a half is working on problems like that yeah i would say the biggest improvements we've had in the past several months have been around getting the speech recognizer to be more accurate and in particular more robust to the kinds of environments that we actually see in the real world amazing there are drive-throughs that border a freight rail yard Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so one o'clock every day there's a giant freight train that comes by and blows its horn for 10 seconds at 100 db it turns out that the employee, that the human employee there, actually can't deal with that either. Right, right. Because it's so loud that it just obliterates everything. And so those are the sorts of challenges we've been trying to work around. Our team has done an okay job so far about finding the, the biggest things that need improving and, and adding new data, adding new modeling techniques, and, and working on you know, modern deep learning approaches to solve these sorts of problems. Wonderful. So, Brian, you're a leader today in a team called Watson Orders. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you got here? <laughs> well, you know, that's a really interesting question. It's not where I thought I would be. I actually was uh, got involved with this group of people when it was a startup called Apprente. Uh, so this is a Silicon Valley group, you know, mm-hmm. o- almost straight out of a TV show, perhaps, where it's 15 to 20 people in a tiny little office that's overcrowded. Uh, it looks a little bit like a garage almost. And I come in and for my interview with this group, and there's actually a guy taking a nap on a couch. <laughs> uh, it, it was really kind of straight out of a TV show. So it's a great group of people, really quirky, really talented, really good at what they do. And then the week after I interviewed, they announced they were being acquired by McDonald's. That McDonald's, yes. <laughs> and so like, that's not quite what I thought I was getting myself into. And it's like, why is McDonald's interested in an advanced technology team? Well, it turns out that they were interested in automating drive-through taking, order taking. Like that's actually a pretty reasonable application of, of speech and conversation technology. It's targeted domain. There's a goal involved. And so the people who are involved in this, they know what they want to do. They, there's, a, there's an object for what they're trying to be I there. See. They're not there just to play with a the toy. They're there because they want food. Hmm. It's a voice-based interaction already. So there's no real retraining of the, the customer base. They already know what they need to do. And then it's just a matter of, can we get the computer to do some of the more challenging tasks? And that's what this team would do. And so I we see. took a prototype that that Apprenti team had built 
We turned it into a real software product over the course of two and a half years with McDonald's. And then to make that next step needed the backing and resources of a larger group. And McDonald's understood that. And that's how we ended up um, at IBM as part of the Watson Orders team. Wonderful. Now, I I have to kind of rib you a little bit. Are there any mean-spirited colleagues, maybe former colleagues from Carnegie Mellon, where I believe you graduated, that joke with you about playing with toys and (laughs) working at the drive-thru at McDonald's? I mean, uh, honestly, no. Uh, All my colleagues and friends have been pretty pretty good about that. Uh, That's good, because you have the coolest job on the planet. I actually actually have been the one kind of uh, giving myself the ribbing on that one. So when I left my previous job to join the the McDonald's Tech Labs team that became Watson Orders, I joked with them, like, yeah, I quit my job. And, oh, well, what are you doing now? Well, I, I work at McDonald's. McDonald's? Like, yeah, no, no, I take orders for the drive-thru. And I got really good at being deadpan about that, and it was a lot of fun. One of my friends, actually, she came up to me after I said that and just put her hand on my arm and was like, are you okay? Because <laughs> oh. they know, like, I have an advanced degree. I've been working in technology for years. Like, why are you working at McDonald's? And then, of course, I'd laugh, explain, and then they'd, they'd roll their eyes and like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. You're pulling my leg. Fun story, Brian. So, Brian, what does your crystal ball tell you about the future here? What's the future state and perhaps... What other industries might benefit by applying what you've learned around drive-through ordering? I mean, speech and conversation technology is at a, a little bit of an inflection point right now. I think we've gotten enough advanced technology to the state where it works well in a variety of circumstances that we can start to talk about applying it to real-world problems like this. I think things like Siri and Alexa are great in terms of pushing the field forward. But by themselves, they don't necessarily have a goal behind them. I see. This sort of technology that we're building at Watson Orders is goal-directed. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've had a bunch of success with it, because the user base is inclined to work with us to solve a problem together. Perfect. I think applying that technology to similar sorts of, of things, yeah, we're going to see that increasing over the next several years. Ideally, a lot of it being the, the Watson Orders technology that my team and, and folks are building. But I suspect there'll be lots of different entries into the space And I expect it to actually take off for certain kinds of applications. It's amazing, Brian. So unfortunately, we're out of time. I can go on and on (laughs) talking to you about this subject. And I want to thank you for joining us on the Art of Automation podcast. Very cool topic. Thank you so much, Brian. Well, Jerry, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. Well, that was fun. And that's it for today. I've attached some links to information on Brian's project, which is IBM Watson Orders, in the description section of this podcast. Oh, and if you enjoyed this podcast, it's also likely that you'll enjoy the Art of Automation book, which is now available. A link to the book is also in the description section, and royalties for the Art of Automation book are being donated to the American Cancer Society. Okay, once again, I'd like to thank Brian, and of course, I'd like to also thank you all for listening in. This is Jerry Cuomo, IBM Fellow and VP for Technology at IBM. See you again on an upcoming episode.